Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. This is your host, Sophia Renea Morales, and today I am here with Whitney Walker. But before I go deep into her introduction and the topic that we'll be discussing with her, which is awakening your divine gifts, purpose, and step into your sovereign truth, I would like to invite you to take the What is Your Number One Spiritual Superpower Quiz. You can find that at superpowerquiz.us, and it takes only two minutes to find out what all the buzz is about. You can find that, as I said, at superpowerquiz.us, and discover what your number one spiritual superpower is. So Whitney has joined me today, as mentioned, to discuss ways to awaken your divine gifts and your purpose and to step into your sovereign truth. Uh, she has a heavy focus on the divine feminine, and her background is as a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in addiction, eating disorders, trauma, and spirituality. She also works as a recovery coach and spiritual guide. Whitney opened a private practice in the California Bay Area where she sees clients, couples, and families. She worked for several years prior in clinical and community settings with extensive recovery experience, including acting as the clinical manager of Wellness Retreat Recovery Center's intensive outpatient program. Whitney incorporates spiritual concepts into her work, including the return of the divine feminine to our world and moving from a place of fear to love, releasing self-destruction and rejection to embrace unconditional self-love and acceptance. These ideas form the concept of Women Waken, her website and passion project. Whitney created the Women Waken podcast, a holistic guide to wellness and abundant self-love, along with an accompanying YouTube channel. So. Go to the show notes, check those out, uh, because she's got some amazing stuff out there. Welcome, Whitney. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Very, yeah. very happy to be here. Yes, I was. I really enjoyed our connection. Uh, we had a, a meeting a couple of weeks ago and decided to do this, and I'm just thrilled to have you here today. So tell me a little bit about Whitney before. <laughs> Before the spirituality, before the stepping into the recognition of the importance of the divine feminine, uh, where did you begin your journey? Well, I mean, it all depends on how far back we go. I would say what's important in my journey is probably going all the way back to my childhood teen years where I experienced a lot of rejection by my peers and bullying. Mm -hmm. When I first, and it probably started younger, um, I grew up in a household where there was a lot of um, neglect from my father and not a strong um, connection, emotional safety around that. Yeah. And then I, going into my teen years, getting bullied and rejected by peers really sort of formed a pretty um, fundamental belief that there was something wrong with me or that I didn't matter or that I wasn't worthy to be yeah. loved, to be heard, to be cared for, uh, which started, you know, a whole slew of means to try and feel good. And uh, what were some of your favorite ways to try to feel good? I know we all have a subset of those. 
All sorts. I mean, it feels like it started very young. I was always getting into things, even as like a young kid. I was obsessed with food. I'd always sneak in and uh, steal all the candy from the kitchen. So I loved any, I loved anything I wasn't supposed to do. Honestly, from the time I was born, I would do it. Um, by the time I was three, I th- I'd had my stomach pumped three times in the hospital. <gasps> oh my! So I was mischievous. Um, and but as I got older, I was definitely a thrill seeker. Like whether it was, I mean, I wanted to go to every single amusement park there was and try every single roller coaster, roller coaster <laughs> ride because I loved any sort of effect, right? I I love roller coasters too. I'm a roller coaster junkie. I mean, <laughs> they're the greatest. And they are. Nothing wrong with a roller coaster, but it's just interesting that I found that I was always thrill seeking. I always yeah. the next thing, and you know, I I was skydiving by the time I was in high school, and you know, bungee jumping and all those things. And, um, I, you know, I specialize in addiction and I think there is something to say for people who just are really seeking out the effect, like yeah. what can I do right now that'll give me a, a quick, an effect, right? I'll, a- adrenaline junkie. I'll get, basically. Yeah, I'll get adrenaline, <laughs> or, or I'll feel like blissed out. I'll feel euphoria, but I want it now. I yeah. don't want to go the long route. I want those feelings now. And, um, I always kind of felt that way. And so as soon as I got, um, into middle school, high school. And I realized there were actually like social things you could do that were exciting and provocative, like drinking or drugs or sex. I was like, sign me up, you know, party. I wanted to be a part of like the partying crowd. And I wanted to do the things I wasn't supposed to do because it was such a thrill, right. To, to, you know, sneak around and be like, how are we going to get the alcohol for the party this weekend? And da, 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 da. Um, I, <laughs> whose whose parents are out of town? <laughs> yes, and a lot of the times it was mine, and I still apologize to my parents about the parties I threw when I was in high school. That there still are you know scars at my parents' house of those parties. Oh, and um, yeah, just to get my kicks, you know. Yeah. So um, anyways, I I mean I include this because you know I believe strongly that underneath all addiction is is deep fundamental false core beliefs about I would concur with that conclusion right and it's like they live within us and they're like this you know they're alive they're a uh, they're an emotion they're an energy they're it's there and it needs it wants to be if you're not going to help heal it it's going to keep wanting to be fed right right there's two ways you can deal with something you can either like put a quick topical thing on it so you can ignore it for a while or you can actually get into heal it from the roots to actually yeah. solve the problem. And, you know, just as we we're speaking to thrill seekers, most people want a quick fix. We don't want to have to do the deeper work. Yeah. We- I'd rather not face what's in that ugly closet that I've got back there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Like when you, when you know that you're trying to escape something or soothe something within you, you don't really want to know what that is. Cause you figure that it's probably something pretty nasty. That's yeah. causing you to want to, to, self-destruct, which I, you know, I speak to a lot is that we live in a world that's self-destructing on all counts at a micro and a macro level. Give me some examples of that. So at the macro level, we're destroying our planet. We haven't learned to live in harmony with our planet. We've sort of mocked the idea that our planet is a living being and that needs to be respected, that it needs to be a reciprocal relationship where we give just as much as we take that went out the window a long time ago. You know, native cultures, older cultures recognize that and held that 
to the highest degree of sacredness. Yet we are a culture of, again, instant gratification, but also infinite amount of growth and productivity. And we don't stop. So yeah. we say, we're, we're users. There's never enough. There's never enough. In, in capitalism, there is never enough. You always have yeah. to be on a growth trajectory. Yeah. yeah. Like there's no like, okay, guys, we did it. We hit this amount of success and money making and let's just call it a day and just chill back and kick up our heels. No, it's it's no matter what the company, they're always asking what's what's gonna raise our bottom line, what's gonna help us get our next, you know, growth in um profit. Rev revenues. Revenue. And, yeah, exactly. Kind of revenues. So on the macro level, we're self-destructing and that we're not respecting the planet and we're destroying it. And, and we see it in every single facet where we don't even have clean water for so many communities to drink because we don't care that we build giant factories next to people's water sources. We don't right. care. Or we, we don't, or we don't concern ourselves that the these massive uh, trains with the toxic chemical tankers on there actually have brakes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. We don't look at the details because we don't honor life and we don't honor the earth is this, is what I would It's a big statement. But unfortunately, I think majority of the time it's true. Yeah. The way that our world operates, we rarely stop to ask, does this honor life? And that, you know, I want to keep going with this example, but I want to say that to me, that is what, why it's the importance of the divine feminine. Because that's what the divine feminine is. It is that which honors life, mm. right? Rather than seeing how much can we keep doing, keep doing, keep doing, we say, wait a minute, let's just do, can we Can we still honor life if we do this much? Yeah. Okay, let's stop there. Can we still do life if we do this much? Okay, then we're good here. But we've gone so above and beyond what we are have the means to honor and to hold sacred that we, we're all just kind of like shrugging our shoulders and saying like, well, I this, you know, I guess this train is just run away and nothing we can do. I, I would say words like honor and hold sacred have been vanishingly rare in the Western vocabulary. Yeah. Especially yeah. recently. Yes, absolutely. And then that brings it back to what we're seeing on a micro level, on the individual level. <laughs> we're also not told to hold ourselves as sacred beings, to see ourselves as, hey, it doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter what you've achieved. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are, what family you were born into. You are of infinite, complete worth because you are a part of the universe, of spirit, of life. And there's nothing that can change your worth and your value and your ability to be loved because you are always loved. Yeah. We're that, that's the opposite, really, of the message that you get coming up through school. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. everything is conditional. Everything is conditional. Oh, well, look at this, this kid. She's so cute and she's so smart. She's just, oh my gosh, everyone just loves her. And then when you're not that kid, which I wasn't, like I was like a yeah. weird, not so cute kid. And people were like, eh, I don't really yeah. want to talk to her. I, I, I was the nerd with the glasses and the braces. Yeah. Uh, and I so, feel you. Yeah. And because the problem is that we're not very nice to things that are different. Yeah. World. And so when we feel like we show up in this world and we're kids and we're happy and we're like, but then you get that first experience when someone's like, who are you? You're weird. Yeah. You're different. I don't like you. And we get this shock through our system, that shame shock of, oh my gosh, is there something wrong with me? Am I not likable? Because 
the way that we are accepted or rejected by those around us at a young, a young age forms our concept of ourselves. Yeah. We don't have that ability when we're five, when we're 10, even 15 to say, I know who I am. I don't need anyone else's approval. We don't know that. And we're definitely not taught it at a young age either. So how did, how did it come to your awareness that you had a, a numbing problem for lack of a, a more precise yeah. term? So my self-destruction began um, when I hit about 14, I think I, I kind of dabbled in like, um, in you, drinking and trying drugs up until then. But at 14, it really took off. I was like a freshman, sophomore in high school. And I was desperate to be popular because again, I, I felt very rejected. I wasn't considered like a cool kid or an attractive kid. So I was like, I can't, I don't want to miss out. You know, I was yeah. like, I don't want to miss out the fun. And so I like forced my way into like the cool crowd and I would drink anything that was put in front of me. I would jump into anyone's car to go to any party. I would fool around with any guy. And um, I wasn't really, I had no regard for myself. I didn't know that at the time I was just, you know, trying to run fast and have fun and, you know, do all that. Hang with the in crowd. Yeah. But in the slow moments I would realize I I really didn't like myself. And and that's why I love to drink is when I drank, I felt happy. I felt detached. I felt like I could just, you know, talk to anybody and everybody else would talk to me. But then you go back to school on Monday and the same people who were talking to you when they were drunk were like, uh, don't want to be seen with you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. What, what was your waking up moment around that? We all okay. have a moment where it's like, oh, this is not going to work anymore. Yeah. So we'll have to move fast. The other thing I'll say is that I also um, developed a very, um, you know, robust eating disorder at the same time. So I was a binge eater because that also numbed the pain and was just something to, when I felt so miserable at who I was, I could just eat and eat whatever I wanted. And that made me feel better for a while. So alcohol and that went hand in hand and escalated, um, for many, many years. And eventually I decided to get sober when I was 29, because I had a moment where I realized, I mean, obviously this is after like 15 years of (laughs) struggling with an eating disorder, my weight going all the way up, all the way down, um, tons and tons of binge drinking and blocking out and making decisions that I didn't care for. And I couldn't trust myself and I couldn't respect myself. That's what it came down to. And so at 29, I thought, you know, I'm about to be 30 and I'm looking at this trajectory that I'm on and I only see destruction if I keep going this way. I see, uh, you know, something crashing and burning. And there's one choice I can make that can put me at better odds to become the person I really believe I am and want to be. And it was to stop drinking. So I stopped drinking at 29. And was it that simple and clear cut? I know some of us have false starts when we go down this road. It's like, I'm never doing that again. And we're good for three weeks. And then, yeah, there you are. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, (laughs) like during that 15 years, I had so many times where I'd be like, I'm done. I'm giving this up. But then he was like, how am I going to stop drinking? That's how I socialize. That's how I celebrate. That's how I, you know, experience sadness. I go to drinking. So Um, and I did, when I first got sober from alcohol, I turned to pills, but that's what really was the end line for me because I got very hooked on Vicodin and it was so absolutely terrifying to feel that literal physical and mental addiction to it, where when I didn't have it, I was shaking. I didn't feel right in my body. I felt terrible that I, and when I was able to stop that, I said, please, 
I was on my knees and I said, please, God, if you help me to feel normal again, if you help me to get out of this, I will never touch a substance again. And so that really, you know, I think a lot of us have to really be brought to our knees to make a big choice like that. Not everybody. Some people are able to get sober more smoothly. But for me, it took me like, again, it's, it's like bargaining. And I was like, okay, I'll yeah. stop drinking, but I'll, I need something else to, as a fix. And I finally had to say like, okay, I can't have a fix like that. I, you know, I, I am still uh, much an addict at heart and then I'll still try to find things that feel good. I get in trouble with that when it comes to love and sex and relationships. Um, but I can be more mindful now about it that like, okay, I think I'm ha- holding on to this because it gives me a rush, even though I know it's not very good for me. Um, but so, you know, addiction can come around anytime and it's a choice that you make to say, I'm not going to engage with us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not always an easy choice to make. And it's always been intriguing to me because addiction runs in my family. Um, you know, there are many opportunities to make the choice to stop, but there there comes a moment and there's some kind of fundamental shift that happens when you actually do stop. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's um, another challenging part is that you, you realize just how much you've really pushed under the rug for so long. So that's why a lot of people can't stay sober because it's too hard to face yeah. that. Um, but once you actually start to address that, it's, I call it, you know, sort of letting go of the change, like unchaining ourselves from these, you know, false beliefs. And you start to really, you know, that's why I think the term awaken is important. It gets a lot of flack these days because like, you know, it's become such a broad and, and commonly used term, but you really do awaken to the truth of who you are. Yeah. You know, who you are is not someone who can be, you know, marred or injured by what they did in the past. What we did in the past can, again, never change our fundamental value and worth. That's beautiful. So we are up on our first break already. And I'm going to dig into this more with you when we come back, because I think this is something that a lot of us struggle with. And I personally have been struggling with this recently. But we'll wait for that after the break. If you're out there in listener land, and you are if you're hearing my voice, grab your pen, grab your piece of paper, and spend a couple minutes and make a little list of the ways that you cope with your stress. Do you reach for the bag of chips? Do you reach for the bottle of alcohol? Do you go out and, and get your adrenaline junkie fix? What, what is your self-soothing uh, method or methods that you prefer? And hang with us. We'll tell you what to do with that when we come back from the break. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to tellzofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A.com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's tellzofia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. In a Realm is a free monthly holistic health magazine that promotes total health and wellness of body, mind, and spirit. 
We're a much-loved community resource for both alternative and traditional healing. We're in our 24th year of educating our readers about innovative therapies aimed at stress reduction, emotional healing, diet modification, energy healing, body movement therapies like yoga and tai chi, and so much more. Restore your soul, find your balance, and elevate your life with Inner Realm. Find us at innerrealmmagazine.com. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I am here with Whitney Walker. And before we went to break, we had been discussing various ways that we use to numb out. And I had invited you to make a list of your favorite ways to numb out, whether it's adrenaline junkie, sex addict, working, drinking, eating, whatever your thing is. Uh, So Whitney, once we kind of recognize that eh, perhaps there's a problem here, (laughs) uh, how do we start to look for the root of the reason that we're numbing out? And what do we do if we're kind of scared to even go look at it? Yeah. Well, I think that we do it as gently as we need to. Because most likely what we're going to be looking at is some form of trauma. Yeah. So in trauma, we have to be very, it's very delicate. It's very sensitive. It's a part of us. I did a segment recently on trauma and I I used the analogy that just kind of came to me that trauma is a bit of a wounded animal where it desperately wants to be helped yet. It's also in pain. So it's acting out a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you have to approach it very slowly and very much establish that you're there to help it and Mm -hmm. to see it. Um, So, I mean, first off, if somebody is in an addiction it's very hard to do that work when you are still actively in your addiction. It's not impossible yet. It's hard to have clarity. It's hard to be in a a mental and emotional state. That's conducive to really addressing that. Yeah. It's sort of like when you go into the hospital with an injury, they won't give you painkillers until they figured out where you're injured and how you're injured because it'll inhibit the process of, of finding that problem. Yes. Yes, exactly. So a start is that I know as a therapist, and I remember when I first saw a therapist, when I had drinking problems, they would ask, 
can you, I'm going to ask that you don't drink for 24 hours before you see me. Because I was starting to do just what you said when I was 24. I was trying to identify the trauma that was leading me to be desperately insecure and desperate for love and acceptance. And I would try to explore it. And then I would go out and have a three-day bender and realize that while I was beginning to identify, I wasn't able to make progress in healing. Yeah. It's hard to heal a wound that you keep cutting open. Yeah, when you rip the scab off all the time, it just doesn't heal. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that people are concerned about when they go into like a therapy situation, that it's just going to be ripping that wound open again and again and again. Yeah. What, what, what is your response to that? Well, I think that I can say I'm very grateful for the therapist I had at 24. I did not heal my wounds at 24 or 25 or 26, but I had therapists every year and they, I still remember to this day, some of the things they told me, I still remember some of the aha awareness moments that I had. And, you know, healing is by degrees. It's a process and there's first rounds that don't do a whole lot, but you have to take that first round and then there's second rounds and then there's other rounds and over and over and over. And so anything you can do, whatever you're ready to do, begin it, they say. So if you say, okay, I, whenever I drink, I end up crying alone in a closet. I don't know what's going on. I don't, I think there's some stuff I don't want to look at. You can still go talk to a therapist if you're not sober and you can do those rounds and maybe, and some people will always stay in that place and they'll just want to be able to continue in their addiction, but talk to somebody and that's enough for them. Other people will eventually say, I think I need to disengage from what's keeping me from true healing. So I, I'm very much an advocate of meeting everybody where they are. Mm -hmm. I will say that I've had clients who will continuously relapse and who will not show up for appointments that I eventually say, you know, I don't think that this is a good fit. I don't yeah. think that you're really ready to do some of the work we would need to do to make the changes you want to make. Right. So respect the process. And, you know, I think it's important to take the time to look at and ask yourself, who am I? Or who do I want to be? Mm -hmm. Right? A quote that I like that says you have to go through who you're not to figure out who you are. Oh. And to me, that's what addiction was for me is I loved to party and I love to drink. But those were the times where I would be often disrespectful to myself and others, make choices that put myself and others in danger, do things that were reckless, make decisions about myself and my body that I later felt not good about. And I said, this isn't me. This isn't who I want to be. I, and at the time, I couldn't have gratitude for, for traveling through who I'm not. But now I do, you know? And so I think it's important to ask. Like I said, like I did at 29, where it was like, is this the person I want to be into my 30s? Because I would, and here's another good visual. I would visualize myself in my thirties. I said, okay, I want to be a woman, a classy woman who's strong and knows what she wants and is working towards it every day. That's treating others as she wants to be treated herself. And that's acting in, in every day with integrity. Mm. And I couldn't for the life of me do that with drinking. I tried to, I would try to find that magic, you know, mix that up. 
just the right amount of alcohol where I could still feel classy and confident. And it just didn't work for me. Yeah. I couldn't find that because I would always just want to keep going and going and going and going. And, and I've had that problem my whole life. There's never been enough alcohol. There's never been enough food. There's never been enough attention or love or acceptance or acknowledgement. I always wanted more, which brings us back to the nature of our society right now at a macro level, which is nothing is ever enough. Yeah. You reach a certain success point and it's like, well, what do you got for me now? What's next? What's our next bar? How are we going to raise this, raise this, raise this? And so in both accounts, we're like a, a bucket with a hole in it. You know, it doesn't matter how much we pour into ourselves if everything's just falling out. Mm. I I really want to sit with that. It's like we're a bucket with a hole in it. Mm -hmm. And everything that is poured in just is pouring out the bottom. Mm. How How do we plug the hole? You got to figure out how you can actually be satiated. What mm. makes us satiated? It's when we actually take something in. The problem is that so much of what we do in our world these days, we don't actually, it doesn't hit us at a soul level. You can go on Instagram and if you're really attractive, you can get a million followers and 2 billion likes on an attractive photo of yourself. But if you don't believe that you are beautiful and that people love you, even if and someone on Instagram with 2 million followers can still go to bed feeling bad about themselves. Yeah. Why is that? It's because nothing is sticking because it's all superficial. All people are telling that person is like, I like how you look. I like how you look. But all of us ever really want to know is that people see us, they see who we really are and they love that. And there's very little of that in this world. A quote that I love is from Marilyn Monroe. And she said, Hollywood is a place that will give you, you know, a hundred dollars for a kiss and a nickel for your soul. Mm. And that's what it is, is that we all desperately want people to really love us, yet we're, we're at this, you know, this place where everything is so superficial and material that we're not, we're not often looking beyond what we can see or touch. Yeah. How do we begin to shift into the things that really are important to us at a soul level, really fulfilling to us? How do you start to figure that out, sort it out from all of this superficial chaff of having the right car or the right clothes or the right salary or whatever it is? Yeah. Well, you have to do the hardest thing in the world, which is that first you have to do that. You have to find for yourself where you're able to love yourself. Mm. Once you're able to decide that I'm going to do everything in my power to love and accept myself as I am. Then the things that we do each day, because that that is the thing that closes that hole in the bucket. That's that, you know, the putty at the bottom that seals it right up forever, infinitely. But like the secret is that it was always like that. We're at our at our true core, we all know that we're complete and perfect. And we don't need anything to be acceptable and lovable. But it's kind of like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. We have to sort of sometimes make up a game to realize that we have the ruby slippers the whole time. Hmm. So within us is always the ability to remember the magnificent, amazing, remarkable piece of the universe that we are. But that's hard for us as humans because we've, we've had this system embedded in us for centuries and centuries and eons that we are what we do, not what we're being. Yes. But my point that I go back to is that once we've decided that we're going to do everything in our power 
to work towards accepting ourselves as we are, not the idea of like, well, once I lose weight and once I get this job and once I have a boyfriend and once then I'll love myself because we've heard yeah. it a million times, but loving yourself from the outside in is a doomed prospect. It doesn't work. It's that hole in the bucket. So then once we do that, things actually start sticking when we're like, I'm just going to be me and do my thing. And somebody says, wow, I love what you said. What you said was so wonderful. And it's no longer this thing that just, you know, just pours through us where we're, we, we can say thank you. Yeah. Or this thing we have to distance ourselves from. Right. Yes. Oh, that that old thing that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We cut ourselves down. We minimize anything good about ourselves. No, we have to actually say, yeah, I see that, too. I thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And so it really is the biggest thing that you can ever cultivate in your lifetime, I, I believe it's what we're all here to do is to cultivate a remembrance of who we are and then honor ourselves as that infinite sacred being. And then everything that comes to us just adds to our light and our love because we are able to hold it and it doesn't fall out like those ephemeral things that our world is made of now. Mm, yeah, they look very solid, but they really aren't. They can all be gone in a flash. Yeah. 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 yeah but unfortunately, you know, it, it's just gotten more heightened. It's always been not great, but now we have constant visual stimulation as to what constitutes success or what we want. Oh my gosh. Oh. This person is so impressive and so many people like them and they're so famous. Oh, like I, I would only be happy if I could be like that. And we can see it and see it over and over and over and over again. So. Yeah, and it, it's a false comparison because you're comparing your insides to somebody else's outsides. That's it. That's it. And you can never, you can never compare the two. Yeah, is you don't, you don't know what's on their insides. Absolutely, a lot of people have these amazing facades that they live behind, and they're very sad and miserable behind those facades. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that all of us live in a facade because another aspect of the divine feminine that I just was a big part that just like made me come to life around it was this idea that we don't tell the truth about much here. We don't, mm. we're very, we're never transparent. We're always lying and twisting and contorting and being deceptive because we're so afraid that if yeah. people actually know who we are or what we've done or what we actually really think that we'll be completely condemned. Exactly. Do these jeans make my butt look fat? <laughs> yeah. And it's so heartbreaking when you can't, because it is our birthright to be our full, complete, free self and to have the most joy that you can ever imagine. That's what we are here for. You know, we're learning a lot by going through our opposite here on earth, where we live in this upside down world where your worth is based on what you do and who you actually are, what you're being has no value. Yeah. So as we learn to go right side up, we're growing, we're evolving as beings to realize what the truth really is. Yeah. Be do have. Yeah. It starts with B. <laughs> it starts with B. Yeah. So, I, and I think that that's, to me, that's the key to freedom. You know, when I, when I came into the idea of the divine feminine, it was because I looked around, I said, we're all living in chains. Nobody's free. We all don't feel like we can just be our full complete self. And that's why, you know, to your earlier point, no matter how successful someone is or how glamorous their life looks, 
no one on this planet right now is a hundred percent in their full joy and happiness. That's not a place that we're in. And I believe that that's possible. And I do yeah. believe it's a birthright. And I think a part of it is also because we are all connected. We're all one. And so as long as so many of us are being oppressed and abused and hurt and kept from having a life of freedom, then none of us, because we're all connected consciously. Yeah. And so we all feel each other's pain. So until that day where we start recognizing that as much as I want to push for my own accomplishments, if we all don't go together, we don't go at all in yeah. the big things. So we get to this interesting point where like some people are labeled as like, you know, lucky, wealthy, uh, you know, successful people, but no one's really winning right yeah. now, not in the end. And I believe that it's, that we're, it's inevitable that we get to the place where we finally all say, we got to give it up. We have to stop trying for the self-pursuit of glory and fame and wealth and conquering and power because the, what that will lead us to is ultimate self-destruction and ultimate planetary destruction. Yeah. Wow. All right. We are up on our second break already. And on this really profound note, we're going to go to break. Uh, but when we come back, I want to unpack what are some practical, pragmatic things we can do to begin making this shift, because this is a, a foundational shift that has to be made. It's the foundation of the system we're working in right now that needs to be reworked. So hang with us. We will unpack that after the break. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Leave a quick voice message at 520-261-6827. And let me know, how has the show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That number, 520-261-6827. Thank you so much for your feedback. It's crucial in informing where I take the show next. Thank you and go out and live soul first. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel.
You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I am still here with the wonderful Whitney Walker. Say that three times really fast. (laughs) (laughs) And before break, we were discussing some of the foundational shifts in our concept of the world and the lies we are telling ourselves about who we actually are as opposed to who we are. Um, So how do we start to really begin to identify and lean into who we are and begin to introduce some of these divine feminine concepts into the foundation of the system. So the work begins by, again, doing what may be the hardest thing you can ever do, which is to tell yourself that I love you and I accept Mm -hmm. you just as you are, however you are on any given day, at any given moment, I love you. It's a simple concept, but super duper hard to do. What are some of the things you suggest as someone's beginning to kind of baby step their way into that? Well, I'm so glad you asked because what I will often do with clients, because I most of my clients, if not all that I've ever worked with, have a hard time loving themselves and accepting themselves. When it's just trying to make peace and love who you are. So I say, all right, what can we do to help you with this concept? And something that goes over really well is when I say, okay, if it's hard for you to say that to yourself, can you imagine saying that to your best friend? Can you imagine telling your best friend who's just fallen apart because, you know, maybe they had a bad breakup or something happened that made them really upset and they just cannot get over it. And you said, you would say, Hey, you're going to be okay. And this doesn't change what an amazing, incredible person you are. It doesn't change how bright your future is. And I love you and will support you through this. Mm. And then I say, can you imagine saying that to yourself when you are at a point where you feel maybe ashamed or embarrassed or regretful or guilt around something? Can you have that ability to say, Hey, I know that you're hurting right now. I know that you don't feel very good about this but I love you and I accept you and I'm here with you through this, despite how much it hurts. Another example, some people it's easier when I, I tell them to imagine like a little, a little puppy dog inside that they have, they need to take care of. Even in a moment where they're like, I'm so mad and I hate who I am. I say, well, can you talk? Can you imagine like a tiny, the cutest puppy you've ever seen in your life is like living right in your heart space. And can you just imagine that puppy being sad and hurt and you just go and kick it because that's what we do to ourselves. Oh yeah. And we're trained to do it. Yes. Yes. How could you do that? You're so stupid and that was so wrong and you're so bad. And then we just get this shame built on shame, which just compacts our trauma. And again, you know, we're talking about the stuff that addiction is made of. That's what's under there. That's the ugly underbelly is this deep shame of who we are, this trauma around things that happened to us that we just can't imagine ever unpacking and healing and moving on from. Yeah. 
And it's so heavy and it can be so painful. And even when you start working at it, the process can be long. I've had guilt and shame and sadness around things that I had to go over many, many times. And I would say, aren't I done with this yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you. <laughs> right? Yeah. But it just shows you how, how strong it is when a concept, especially when it starts early in life, when you think about that, we're sort of, you know, focusing on that or really growing that concept over every day of our life, because we'll constantly, we don't have, most of us don't have an inner monologue. That's constantly saying like, again, the way that we would talk to a child or an animal or our best friend that says, Hey, you got this. I love you. No problem. We're saying that was so dumb. I messed this up. That was so bad. I suck at this. That's usually our inner. So we think of that times, you know, three, six, you know, 24, seven, 365. And we've got a pretty hefty pile of, you know, what? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and that's our shame and trauma that we don't want to look at. So to bring well, it back and it, and it gets hard to find yourself covered under all of that. I think sometimes. Yes. Under all the crap. And that's another analogy I like to use is think of, I remember when I got sober, I, I spoke of this in a meeting because as I started doing the work and getting sober and really looking at the core of the fact that everything I did that I'm ashamed of was me doing the best that I could at the time to survive and to keep myself safe, which at the time felt like, I feel like I'm going to die with this amount of terribleness that I feel around myself. So I, I drank to feel better. I did what I could. There is to no get through. Yeah. You, you made the best decision you could under the circumstances with the tools you had. Yes. Yes. So as I started to see the truth, I started to feel like my soul was like a, a, had a window in front of it that was really, really covered and caked and dirt and layers of crap and crud and everything. But as I did this work, it was like one layer at a time, that window was starting to come clear. And things were starting to get, the sun was starting to come in. My soul was starting to come through and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it's like, there is light out there. <laughs> yeah. It's not a wall, it's actually a window. <laughs> yes. And it is in every single way possible to begin to get through that. We all can, it's just a matter of focus and shifting how we're talking to ourselves. Because if we you know, get one layer of crud off, but then we throw another batch on there. We're just kind of, you know, one step forward, one step back, which is still something because at least you're attending to it. But I think when we can talk to ourselves with love and with kindness, with understanding and compassion, that's when the game changes. But it is really difficult. It's yeah. hard. It's like when people tell you to start like sitting up straight and you realize how much better it feels just to stay hunched over. Yeah. Well, and it's it's a, a series of rededication, right? Yes. It's not this single decision. I've decided I'm doing this. It's rededication to that decision when things get difficult or the old habits start to, to come back around, old temptations, to rededicate, you know what, I'm, I'm deciding again, this is what I'm going to do, regardless of whether you, you stepped into those temptations or not. Yes. Absolutely. And I will say that I think we all, you know, it's, it's okay to have pity parties if you want to call them or, or just days where you just need to fall apart. Yeah. We're human, right? <laughs> and, 
but also it's a part of the process. When we are feeling deep sadness, when I've had so many times in my sobriety, my recovery, where whether it's a friendship, a fight in a friendship, um, a challenge at work, a relationship that didn't work out. And I felt like I got broke open and my insecurities were just bleeding. But what was really happening is the energy was releasing. The energy of the, the event hit a nerve and that nerve was saying like, hey, this is still here. You still have deep pain of abandonment or deep pain around unworthiness. And this event is bringing it to life. Let it all come out. Let those tears come. It's releasing the the you know, we can talk about inner child work. It's releasing that part of you, that person that experienced that at a young age, that's just so sad because they thought what happened to them determines who they are, that it means that they're not good enough and they're not lovable. So it's, it doesn't mean you're not healing. If you have a day where you cry all day, it very well might mean that you are releasing some of those strong, deep held emotions that need to move through. Yeah, because tears have to come out and yes. they've probably been sitting there for decades. Yes. Waiting to come forward. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so it can be just a floodgate opens. I um, had a bit of a, you know, you can call it dark night of the soul when in at the end of 2021, I decided to take my practice on the road and just travel for months. And I thought it would just be free flowing, fun and, you know, living the life as a gypsy. And it was, but it also broke open a lot of things. And I mm -hmm. would cry for days at a time. And I would say, I judged it. I would say, what's wrong with me? Something's wrong. Something's bad. But looking back, I realized it was, it gave me the exquisite opportunity to get some of that gunk out, get like excavate some of those deep emotions that were begging to be free. Because guess what happens when you release that gunk, you lighten up. Yes. You start to feel more free. You unchain yourself from these beliefs that were never true in the first place. Yeah, and I love that you pulled yourself out of your normal environment because this is oftentimes what will help to break open these things and allow you to clean out the places you wouldn't be able to reach otherwise. Yeah. It's it's like <laughs> it's like removing the toilet seat when you're cleaning the toilet. <laughs> yeah, you really really get <laughs> a cleanness that happens when you can get into those spaces that you can't reach otherwise. Yes. Yes, and I had the great privilege to be able to work remotely and take my life on the road. So for those of us who can't, I mean, that's the other challenge of our life is that we are so attached to this idea that we have to earn a living mm -hmm. or we're far from, I, I still believe that there's a day will come when we will change that notion and we're not going to live in this, you know, basically being plugged in and just having to spend most of our life working to sustain ourselves but that's how it is for most people. So what do those do who can't drive away and can't get that processing? We move. Movement is so important. Go for a walk, go for a run, you know, go be in nature, go. Even if all you have is a, a small tree in your backyard, nature will always remind us of the essence of life. Yes. Go hug that tree. Hug that tree, wrap around that tree, get cozy with that tree. You know, it's gonna, it helps us to remember our essence, get back to our soul. You can get back to your soul and everywhere because your soul is always with you. You can get some movement by just moving around your space, by going for a walk around your neighborhood, you know, be in the sunlight. We do different things that activate within us the remembrance that we are a part of divinity. Yes. And that we may find ourselves in this particular lifetime in a particular set of circumstances that aren't conducive to remembering that we can find ways to remember it. And then 
the point of all of this is how do we begin to live our life in this vision towards a more balanced society with divine feminine principles is that we start doing things in our everyday life that honor that. I like to use the analogy that this shift can be like, if you're at a big concert, a big festival, and everybody is at one stage, everybody's seen this one band, but then there's another stage and no one's there, but the band starts playing and it's the most beautiful music and one person goes, and then three more people go. And all of a sudden we thought that everybody was always gonna be at this stage, but they've filtered to a different place. And we didn't have to burn down the other stage to bring prosperity to the other. It just happened right. naturally. Exactly. Sure. You didn't have to be hostile to the no. other one. Any no. of that. Yeah. And that's a whole other conversation, but that's a, a struggle with our world today is that we believe that hostility is the answer for change and it will never be. It will just create the underpinnings of an eventual uprising event another time. But if you let it happen naturally, if people just on their own accord say, you know, that looks really nice. And I would much rather live that way. And they do it of their own nature, not because they're forced or bullied into it or coerced into it or do it through punishment. Then we find a, a state of life that is naturally occurring, which is something we've never really had as humans. Uh, I love that. We're up to the last minute or so of the show here. And so I would love for you to take 30 seconds to put a bow on this. What is the one thing you would like the listeners to take home with them today? That they are love, that at their fundamental nature, that's who you are. That's who all of us are. And I know that may sound trite to some people, yet... I believe that we always will return to the ultimate truth and that's the ultimate truth. So I would encourage anyone who's listening, because if you found yourself here, the chances are that you're kind of hip to this notion. So take that time to visualize yourself. I often encourage people to see yourself in a throne because you are deserving of as much regard and love and acceptance as any, every single other creature. And when we all sit in our thrones of letting our light shine, our true essence, then we experience a world that we've never, we could never even imagine because it's so brilliant and beautiful. I because love it. Everybody's contributing because we need everybody to contri contribute to the great light that is humanity. Yes, to step forward with their sovereign self shining brightly. Sovereign self, and that wraps I it up. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me here today, Whitney. I've really appreciated having this conversation with you. And thank you to all of the listeners out there today. We do this show for you, and I do love hearing from my listeners. Send me whatever you feel moved to send me, whether it's a compliment or a suggestion or someone you'd like to see on the show. I want to hear from you. You can reach out to me at AskZofia, A-S-K-Z-O-F-I-A, at transformationspace.co. And until next week, go out and live soul first. Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Zofia Renea Morales again next week, right here 